0: What's up, friends? It's Haley, a.k.a. Bird. And Randy. And you're tuning in to the Give em the Bird podcast.
1: This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the
0: bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way.
1: Thanks for tuning in.
0: Now, let's give them the bird. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Give Them the Bird podcast. I am here with my girl, Randy, and we have a very special guest joining us, Samina Qureshi, who is a registered dietitian who focuses on weight-inclusive GI care. And so we are just pumped up for this conversation. I'm so excited to talk with someone who knows gut health, um, but doesn't take like a diet culture approach to it. So
2: thank you so much for being with us, Amina. We're really excited for this. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to chat with you both today. Um, Again, thanks for that introduction. I am a registered dietitian who loves helping people learn how to eat when they struggle with GI issues. Mm. It's so hard to navigate social media and Googling what's going on with your yes. gut. When you Google, you know, IBS, the first thing you see is all these elimination diets, all these things that you shouldn't be eating, but what the heck do you eat? Right? So that's mm-hmm. where I come in and I help you identify potential food and lifestyle triggers, expand your diet, reintroduce foods that you may have eliminated -hmm previously to understand your tolerance levels and learn how to stop fearing food because mm-hmm. that's a big one. Mhm.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. Um it's so funny that you say that too because I just saw that somebody posted about somebody I know about doing the whole 30 and um yeah, I don't know, maybe we'll talk about that, but we'll see. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> um One of the first things I wanted to ask you about were really common myths and misinformation about gut health. Because I feel like it is just such a, like in the last, I don't know, like four, I don't know, what do you think, five years? Like it's really gained popularity. And um, even as like myself, as somebody who works in like health and fitness and has a little bit of an understanding, and i'm aware of diet culture i still am like "Mm, is that legitimate like do i need to be doing that like i i know that i struggle to kind of know what's right and what's actually a misconception or a myth and so i'm curious what are some of like the common myths and misinformation out there about gut health that that you have on your radar right now
2: yes so i don't know if you guys are familiar but prebiotics and probiotics are literally like thrown into every supplement and food product out there these days. Mm, Yes. It's like, you want to drink a sparkling water? Let's add some prebiotic fiber to it. Oh, you want (laughs) to have this whatever thing? Here's some added probiotic. And it's like, do I need this? Like, is this going to help support my health or is it going to make me extra bloated and gassy and farty all day long and miserable, (laughs) right? So here's the thing. Just because a product is advertised to have all these special ingredients in them, like pre and probiotics, doesn't mean that they're appropriate for you. Mm. I would also go as far to say that for people who struggle with IBS, if you are trying to navigate feeling better with nutrition, I often recommend my clients to avoid taking these types of supplements Mm. with prebiotic fibers, specifically inulin and chicory root because they can contribute to the gas,
1: the bloating,
2: the diarrhea, sometimes the constipation. Chicory
1: root is the worst. Oh my gosh. It is. I I accidentally ate chicory root once and I will never forget it. It was horrendous.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I remember like when I was an undergrad in nutrition class, I like one of my classes, one of my friends, I was really, really hungry. And I was like, oh, do you have anything for me to eat? Like I'm starving in class. And she handed me a fiber one bar and you guys like, uh, my whole stomach almost exploded. Like yeah, I was it. about to like, f- like f- I was holding in all my farts <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and it yes. was so
2: painful. And I was like, I can't, I can't make it through this class now. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. if you struggle with GI issues, adding more of this prebiotic fiber with all, when you're already struggling may cause more distress. Mm. When it comes to probiotics, there hasn't been long term studies to show the effectiveness for a long term use of just these multi strain supplements. I'm sure Randy can speak a little bit on the supplement
1: industry with your history <laughs> of
2: uh, pharmacy.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a four letter word, I feel like, <laughs> a lot of the time in, in the healthcare industry.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so probiotics, you know, I think when I do recommend them, it's something that ha- that um is needed for people who may have like C diff mm-hmm. or chronically experiencing diarrhea that's uncontrollable, and they want to help repopulate their gut with some of these beneficial my mi- microbiome my microbes or probiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. it's you have to be very strain specific. You have to look into the research mm-hmm. to just dis- discover what's which strain and strength of probiotic, right? The dose is going to be appropriate for the symptoms you're experiencing. Wow. So these like Band-Aid probiotics that are like, hey, multi-strain is going to be better for you. And these billions of CFUs does not necessarily mean it's going to work for you. So Mm -hmm. that's where talking to maybe a pharmacist or a dietitian who can help you better identify which supplements will work for you um, can be really, really helpful. So that's Mm -hmm. a big misconception.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so shocked right now like I had no idea that it was I mean the like the specificity that it's like like you said this band-aid prebiotic probiotic thing and I feel like a lot of um like green companies or like clean supplement companies are just like make sure you're getting your prebiotic and your probiotic and all of this and I'm like oh shit, my poor gut. Like I need all of these things. yeah. And and now to know that, like it, you got to get a little bit more specific and work with someone who actually knows like what's going on with you in order to find the right, the right thing. Like, wow.
2: Well, in general, the supplement industry like has zero regulation, right? Right. Like not to say that the FDA is the best thing in the world, but like at least helps us gain some insight and quality and efficacy of, of certain products. So if you are going to look at a supplement company, make sure you are making, you are finding that they use a third party company to Mm. test for quality and efficacy Mm. to make sure that they're not just selling you a pill filled with sand because they could definitely do that. And talking about those
1: greens powders, that's another (laughs) one. Yes. That's what I see all over my feed all the time. And I have been like, I probably need that.
2: Yeah. And it's like, do you need that? Or do you need to maybe just like, think about how to enjoy more fruits and vegetables that you have easier access to that won't cost you a lot of money that won't make you fart all day long. And like, (laughs) You know, right, <laughs> right. I I'm not a. Cu- I don't swear, but I do poop talk a lot. So oh, I just- <laughs> That is this welcome. place. This is the place. Is I'm the the place. place. I, like I fart, I'm gassy. Like I always oh, have to go <laughs> diarrhea. Like you'll hear it from me. This is what people are coming to me to talk about. So I have no shame of talking about poop and bowel habits.
1: I love, I love it. it. It's, it's. I'm like still gonna I, giggle every time you say that. Probably. <laughs> I can't like, help it.
0: <laughs> it's like when I when I interviewed a pelvic floor specialist and she was just like throwing out vagina all the time, and I was like, by the end of it, I was just like, vagina, vagina, vagina. Like, yeah, you just—it's know, you just, <laughs> it's I, just I a body it. part. It's just a body part. Yeah. So <laughs> we are we are here
1: for all the poop, fart, diarrhea. Bring it, bring it, sister. Yes. <laughs> I do have a question about yes. probiotics. So I know that like. For example, when people are on antibiotics, like taking a probiotic or probably better, like eating yogurt with probiotics in it can help prevent things like diarrhea and stuff like that. But and maybe you can let me know if, if there's any like pushback maybe or, or falsity to that. But I'm wondering if there's any other instances where like otherwise healthy people without a diagnosed GI issue should consider probiotics you know, short-term or something?
2: Yeah. So the research on probiotics is evolving and we're learning so much about it. You're right that after antibiotic use to avoid uh, diarrhea, you can choose, I think doctors have said both to me. You can try it before, you can try it during, or you can try it after. Um, I haven't looked up that research study in quite a while, but I know that it can be helpful in avoiding the diarrhea. Um, my idea is if you're taking antibiotics and it's cleaning out your system of all of the bacteria, it would also clean out your system of the good bacteria. So you wouldn't want to have the probiotics during the antibiotic course. Sure. You want to reintroduce later. So um, for the general population, I think it would have to be case specific. Regardless if you have a GI condition or not diagnosed, I mean, people can go undiagnosed with IBS for like six plus years. Mm. So yeah. it's really, really hard to get GI diagnoses. And it can be a lot of issues with like accessibility of people coming to me saying like, I can't get a colonoscopy. I can't get an endoscopy for months. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, people are looking for solutions. Can probiotics help? Possibly. We just have to go back and look at the research to say which strain is going to be most effective mm-hmm. for the symptom you're struggling with, whether that be diarrhea, constipation, bloating, gas, et cetera. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's helpful That's to know. interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, can you, so can you talk more, just like a general overview of IBS? Because I know that when this episode comes out, like we just discussed, that April is IBS Awareness Month. And so I would just love for you to talk a little bit more about, like,
2: what IBS is. Yeah. So IBS is an acronym acronym, (laughs) (laughs) that stands for Irritable Bowel Syndrome. It is a chronic condition or disease that um, exhibits stomach pain with altering bowel habits. So you can experience diarrhea, constipation, both, along with gas, bloating, stomach pain, cramping, and discomfort. Okay. Yeah. How, how do you like get diagnosed? Mm, that is such a good question. So it can be really hard to get diagnosed with IBS because you have to go through all of this testing mm-hmm. and assessment to determine and rule out some other conditions, right? So we want to make sure that you are going to your PCP and your PCP refers you to a GI doctor, a gastroenterologist, But even if you're talking to your PCP, make sure that you are first and foremost keeping a log of your symptoms. What are the symptoms that you're experiencing? Are you seeing um, altered bowel habits? Have you had change in stool frequency or texture? What is the pain you're experiencing? What are, do you see any um, like red flag symptoms? Maybe like you are exhibiting like anemia or blood in your stool things like that, that would bring attention to potential other things going on. Okay. That would um, require more testing, maybe a colonoscopy or an endoscopy to see what could be going on there. Um, And then regarding diagnostics, there's no test. There's nothing, there's no blood test that we can say like, Hey, just take my blood and tell me, do I have IBS or not? And then I'll move (laughs) on with like the treatment plan. Right. There is this process of, I, I hate to say ruling out, but That is the process of determining whether or not you have IBS is do you Mm -hmm. have celiac disease do you have ulcerative colitis do you have um, IBD right Mm -hmm. so all of these other conditions or could there be something else going on um, structurally with your GI system or in your colonoscopy did you find polyps or cancerous um, polyps there that that need to be addressed. Okay. That is so helpful because I,
0: I mean, since we're getting personal here, um, I have always just had like a rotten stomach. Like mm-hmm. my, I remember in college, my roommates would just like, like I would pregame with like anti-diarrhea. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like so bad. And it's definitely <laughs> gotten, um, I think a lot of it had to do with anxiety, which I want to talk about, like gut health yeah. and the mental health and everything. I think it was a symptom of my anxiety. But um and so it's it's gotten a lot better as I've managed my anxiety and just as like I've I've grown I've you know matured um so that's been really nice um but yeah I've always wondered about IBS and I if I remember I, when I looked it up it it had mentioned exactly what you said like it's there's not like a formal diagnosis it's almost like having to rule out all these other potential things that it could be um, but I think just having an overview of what it is and how to kind of go about, you know, addressing it um, by going to a PCP is really helpful. That's helpful to know.
2: Yes, and absolutely. I just want to say that it's not necessarily a diagnosis of exclusion. There's also symptoms that you're tracking and reporting, right? So I think it's like stomach pain with all of these altered bowel habits and symptoms for a certain period of time. I can't okay. remember the specifics because I'm not the one diagnosing, mm-hmm. but there are criteria for diagnosing IBS. So, and interesting. then
1: how, as a dietitian, like what are you helping people? So, you mentioned like helping them add back in things they might have eliminated, or like what's your role in helping um, with the treatment?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, the treatment of IBS um, medically, there you can be put on anxiety and antidepressant medication, you can be. Um, on antispasmatics to reduce like the stomach pain and cramping. There's so many different things medically that can be offered to you that really help with symptom management. Nutrition wise, the medical nutrition therapy, um, gold standard right now for IBS is something called the low FODMAP diet. Mm. And Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And so what it is, is a elimination style diet of reducing these highly fermentable carbohydrates in your diet and reintroducing them after the like two to four week elimination period to better assess which foods or your, which foods are your trigger foods and then better assessing how much of those trigger foods you tolerate, if at all, Mm -hmm. so that we can ultimately expand your diet. However, There are three phases of the low FODMAP diet, right? I spoke of elimination, reintroduction, and maintenance phase to expand your diet. Mm
1: -hmm. What
2: I find is that people go about the low FODMAP diet for years before seeking help. So people come to me with this like list of three foods that are their safe foods that they can eat. They're malnourished. They're experiencing a slow GI system, oftentimes accompanied with like gastroparesis, Mm -hmm. and they're scared to eat. Right. And so I actually start from a place of helping you heal your relationship with food Mm. so that we can safely reintroduce foods and expand your diet. Because I think you had kind of brought this up earlier, like how does stress and anxiety play a role in your GI symptoms? 100% it does. Mm -hmm. Like hands down, there's no question asked. Like, have you ever, do you remember sitting for the SATs or like whatever big tests you had in your life? And like getting the bubble guts. You're like, I'm about Uh to shit my pants. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Like I definitely am a nervous test taker and like it would be miserable. And so that is thanks to our vagus nerve, right? Mm. It sends signals from our brain to our gut and then it's bi-directional. So our gut can also send signals or communication to our brain. With IBS, there's a miscommunication there. And so it can then make that communication from your brain to your gut and your gut to your brain, um, very sensitive for some people. So the stress and anxiety that you feel may elicit more, str- like stronger GI symptoms than the average person. So yeah. just by helping people work towards reducing food fears, ditching diet culture, embracing this gentle nutrition approach to food, it really does drastically reduce their like GI symptoms. So from there, you know, I don't put them then on the low FODMAP diet. The low FODMAP diet elimination phase is not something I actually implement in my practice. I do something different called the gentle low FODMAP, which is just assessing like, hey, what do you eat regularly throughout the day? Are you eating any of these high FODMAP offender foods that could be contributing to your symptoms? If not, cool. We don't have to look at like maps. We need to really get to the root cause of like why you're so stressed and anxious about food. And then we can kind of go into just building a sustainable, healthy diet for you that embraces, you know, your cultural trad- traditions and cuisine and like your food preferences. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how I take my approach. And with nutrition, I'm sure with, with other chronic conditions, it's not just one thing that can impact it like what you eat it is holistic so i do take that holistic um, approach as well where we talk about not only nutrition but your relationship with food stress and anxiety gentle movement sleep hygiene and hydration because you are a whole person and it's important for you to not only just be focusing on what's going in your body but how you feel and other lifestyle factors that could be contributing to your symptoms Mm-hmm.
0: I love that you mentioned that about how like the fear of food can cause the, the GI issues because I, so I work with students, I'm an intuitive eating counselor. And so I, I focus on fitness, but also I do intuitive eating with them. And a lot of them will say like, oh, it's just when I eat these greasy foods or when I eat these, you know, um, like sugary foods, like I, my stomach literally like something happens to it. And obviously, luckily I work with a team of, I work with a dietitian, and I work with a GI doctor and everything. So we're all in it together, but we talk about how, is it really the food that's causing it or is it the fear of what, how the food's going to impact my body? That's literally making me so anxious that I, I feel like I have like a rotten gut, like, and it's wild when students or when people make peace with food. And it's like, wait a second, I was able to eat that pasta and I didn't have any of those symptoms. And I think a lot of times when I tell people that they're like, "Mm -hmm." but I'm (laughs) like, I'm serious. Like, I, I really do believe, I believe in the ability of a lot of those conditions or those, those feelings, those symptoms can be related to just this restriction and like the fear that we have around them. So I love that you incorporate that into your practice. And that's like what you do with, do with folks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. And like for exactly that experience, right. When people are like, oh my gosh, we haven't restricted anything and I feel better.
1: Yeah. And well, I was just going to say, I think um the, the fact that you like, like you said, take a holistic approach and, and consider, you know, what their cultural you know, preferences are and things like that. That's a piece I think that gets missed so much when um, people meet with dietitians or their physicians to talk about changes to their diet. Like it's just kind of a a blanket statement, not considering like what's going to work best for them. So I think that's awesome.
2: Yeah, absolutely. My My cultural background, my parents are from Pakistan. My husband's Bengali, so we're South Asian. We eat a lot of lentils and rice. And for, you know, gut health, it's, it's amazing food, right? These foods naturally provide us with so many nutrient dense fiber and vitamins and minerals and easily digestible carbohydrates. And when you type gut health on Google or Pinterest or, you know, social media, you don't see our foods. Mm -hmm. They aren't represented. So then you automatically categorize your cultural cuisine as like unhealthy simply because it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Right. When it's like, Oh but when sweet greens or whatever restaurant puts out like a lentil bowl then mm-hmm. then that's deemed healthy. Yes. But why isn't my mom's doll like considered the same. So anyways, yes, I really mm-hmm. really do try to learn from my clients based off of um, their experiences and their cultural backgrounds to identify like what are you eating? What are your comfort levels with cooking? Also find that a lot of like family practices are different. Um, people live in multi-generational households. And yeah. so there's a lot of like other people cooking for you. And so that gives up a lot of the control that you have with like offering your body nutrition. And so that can be really anxiety inducing for someone who struggles with a relationship with food and GI distress. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's really, really important to focus on that.
0: Hmm. So
2: one quick thing,
0: kind of going back to like the mental health and connection between that and our gut health. This whole thing of like your gut is your what do they say your second brain or your third brain or something like that? Um, is this real? Is this legitimate?
2: <laughs> yeah. So I mean. I count that type of stuff as like diet culture BS. So I completely like, yes, shut it down. Don't that's dive know, into it. Yeah. I think that, um, that's
1: a good point to make. I think, yeah. I
2: think there's a good, there's a good amount of like information out there, but I think it has to do with that nervous, that, mm. that vagus nerve sure. that sends that communication back and forth. So when you feel the stress in your gut, you feel it in your, all these things. Right. right? So that makes sense. I can't so, speak to it because yes. I haven't looked into it very much.
0: That's okay. I mean, I feel like <laughs> you saying that though, is it's reason enough to think twice about it because I yes. think that again, a lot of diet culture pages on Instagram, like this is where that's where I came up with this idea that like you're. Again, I don't remember if they say it's your second brain or your third brain. I mean, obviously, we only have one brain. Why? I don't know why I'm thinking. What's the second?
1: If it's the I don't third. know. I don't. Okay.
0: <laughs> your heart? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the second. Well, I don't know why I'm thinking your third brain. So it would be the second brain. But um, yeah, I just I hear I see so many like holistic providers or not even holistic, but like naturopathic or you know functional medicine doctors talking about how like your gut is your second brain. So treat it that way and all that stuff. And I'm like, but I just don't really understand what you're saying. So Mm -hmm. I think that is helpful to know, even if you don't know the research or behind it or the whatever, it's, it's still good to know that, um, a lot of it could just be a diet culture marketing kind of thing, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. that made me think of, um, I was wondering a little bit about like the, um, immunogenicity related to your gut. Um, there's a, a podcast I listen to and the host has, um, I can't remember what he has, some autoimmune thing. And he is convinced that by cutting out certain foods, he feels a lot better. And I didn't know, you know, is there any truth to that? Is that kind of a placebo effect that he's experiencing? Or do you have any experience in that realm? I think what he probably
2: is talking about on his podcast is more of like, the autoimmune component. And if you have a leaky gut, then your auto, mm-hmm. your immune system is going to get worse and all this. So to heal leaky gut, then I eliminate XYZ foods and magically feel better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, leaky gut is not necessarily like a medical thing. So absolutely certain foods are going to help certain conditions that are autoimmune, right? Mm -hmm. So celiac disease, you don't want to consume gluten because Mm -hmm. it will actually destroy the villi in your intestinal system. Mm -hmm. Um, For other autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, there are certain conditions that um, can become worse with certain foods, but Mm -hmm that is for you and your provider to discuss. The research there is lacking, but that does not mean that your personal experience is not relevant. Mm-hmm. So when things like this come up in practice, I just take it case by case because I'm here to really trust you and help you trust your body. And if you're saying that something is happening, I'm going to believe you to, with, while ruling out eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah.
0: That's good, too, to know, like it's not, again, like I like the avoidance of these blanket statements of like everybody needs a prebiotic or probiotic or like if you have this condition, you can't have this food, you know, or except for celiac disease. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, I like that. I like that approach and just this emphasis on, again, because on social media in diet culture, it's a lot of these blanket statements. And I feel like that's what causes people to fear certain foods and then potentially that like mental health connection of, now I feel like this is the food that's causing my my autoimmune condition or whatever it is. And then we we do have a reaction because it's this anxiety and this fear around it. So I think it is important just to be mindful of any sort of blanket statements and um, keeping that in mind with autoimmune conditions too. So yeah, good question, Randy. I feel like I know what podcast you're talking about because I know what your fave podcasts are. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah. um. So what could be some signs or indicators that, like, we have a healthy versus an unhealthy gut? Like how, what do we look for? I mean, obviously things like the diarrhea, the bloating, that sort of, I mean, yeah. But yeah, can you tell us more about, like, how do we know if things are healthy in here?
2: Yeah. So if you don't have any symptoms, then there's really nothing for you to be trying to cure or Mm -hmm. fix. Right? Listen to your body. Tune in. How do you feel after eating? Are you always running to the bathroom with like severe urgent diarrhea that's liquidy and you're eliminating all of the water in your body? Are you going weeks without having a bowel movement when you wipe your butt? Is there blood on the toilet paper or in the bathroom like toilet? Are you experiencing severe abdominal cramping? Are you so nauseous that you can't eat anything? right? Do your GI symptoms keep you from eating? So there's no definition of gut health. There's no marker of like, hey, you have a healthy gut Mm -hmm. because our microbiome changes like day to day. It's changing all the time. There's no way for us to have a idea of what gut health is, right? so So
1: funny because like you saying that, There's no definition of gut health, but yet that's like this crazy buzzword all over. And it's like not even a thing.
2: (laughs) Yes. It's a thing that marketing is so powerful. Influencers Mm -hmm. are so powerful. So if something wasn't an issue before you saw or heard something else online. Yep. Maybe it doesn't need to be addressed. Maybe you can just move on with your life.
0: That. Oh. Oh my gosh. And that's like everything,
1: but I really My online shopping addiction. If it was not an issue before I saw it, do I really need it? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Oh,
0: I love that point though. Like if you didn't think, if you didn't have an issue with this symptom or this thing before you saw it pointed out as something that's wrong, then like you probably don't have to worry about it. Like, I think that is, That's really good advice for navigating the interwebs. That's really, really helpful.
1: I love that approach. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, when people go to calorie or macro counting, like they're looking for some kind of control over things and like, oh, I can buy this green powder and then I have control over my gut health. Mm. You know, that's kind of what it feels like to me is just some way to get some control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So So
2: what can you do to achieve long-term gut health? If there's no supplements, if there's no magic cure or like product, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Our microbiome thrives off of diverse variety of foods. It loves to chew and eat like a wide variety of things. And so we should offer it variety we should offer it consistent nourishment we should offer it hydration we should offer it time to rest and time to relax so i take a food first approach obviously i'm very like very conservative with my supplementation supplement recommendations um and so if you do feel like hey i'm i might be low in this we can assess your intake and if it is i can offer you foods to eat to get those nutrients because you won't just be getting those nutrients that you're specifically looking for. You'll be getting the variety of food. You'll be getting the fiber. You'll be getting the um, hydration that that food provides you with and the satisfaction. Mm -hmm. We're not robots. We can't just take a pill and say like, that's going to be my consumption for the day. I can move on with my life. Mm -hmm. Like we run on fuel and fuel comes from food. And it's a lot cheaper than supplements.
1: (laughs) I was just going to say that, like, I know what your answer answer will be, but I'm just kind of trying to make a point. Is there any instance where the supplement is going to be cheaper than the food that would give you the same nutrition?
2: No. <laughs> <I> <laughs> because, yeah, because we have to eat. You have to eat regardless. Right. Mm-hmm. right.
0: That's, why, that's what I think about like the greens, the green supplements or whatever. It's like those things are freaking expensive. You get like 30 servings and you pay. I don't even know how much you pay, but it's like, what if we just slowly increased our fruit and veggie intake <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, i mean holy yeah. cow and especially like i know that for it's funny because for a lot of people they have this thought that like eating healthy is expensive and or eating you know like fruits and vegetables and absolutely in some places like food deserts yeah. where you don't have access to it or you know obviously that's so it's so relative but then those same people not those same people but like a lot of those people are then buying a supplement and it's like you know, if you just picked up a bag of apples at the grocery store, <laughs> like that would yeah, be Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Oh. So I think that's that's really helpful, like this food first approach. Um, and so tell us a little bit more about your practice, like, because I know that you're currently taking clients. So
2: I'd love to know more about, yeah. uh, about
0: your, your company and everything.
2: Yeah. So my company, my private practice is called Wholesome Start and nutrition counseling practice based in Houston, Texas. However, I coach people across the nation. Um, and so I help people learn how to find relief from these uncomfortable gut symptoms without rigid diets, stress, guilt, or shame. And so I am accepting clients in my 12-week IBS Food Freedom Program, where I help you to find balance with food, gain confidence nourishing your body so that we can learn how to manage these symptoms long term. And you can go on to enjoy your life so for
0: people who maybe some of those like symptoms that you had mentioned before of when I was like what are signs of a healthy gut and you're like well are you know like very mm. obvious things of like are you having to run to the bath? like would those be if people were like oh yeah that's me that's me that's me would those be good people that could potentially
2: look into your program do you think Absolutely. So I'm a GI dietitian. I see people with all sorts of GI concerns. Even if you don't have a diagnosis for any GI condition, this program is right for you, right? So if you're experiencing chronic gas, uncomfortable, painful bloating, stomach pain, stomach cramping, acid reflux, nausea, diarrhea, constipation, or alternating diarrhea and constipation, um, vomiting,
0: Mm-hmm.
2: These are all things that I can help you with in this program. Um, it includes six virtual nutrition coaching sessions. There's also bonus um options for a food and symptom journal where I better assess your nutrition needs and we get to better identify whether or not food is an issue for you. And if, mm-hmm. if so, what swaps can I provide so that we can enhance your diet? and expand it long term and um so much more so if you're interested I do offer a free discovery call that you can schedule through my website.
0: Mm, I love that. And it's like a it's not it's a small group, right? Like a small group program.
2: So actually it's individual. It's a 12 week individual one on one program. So sorry. Yes it is one on one. I'm a solo practitioner. You would be working with me only. Um wow. For 12 weeks, and so there's six sessions and we would be meeting every other week for a 3 month period. Amazing.
0: That yeah. is like cream of the crop
2: right there. Yeah, it's a really good high value um option cuz you basically mm-hmm. get a dietitian in the palm of your hands for 3 months.
0: Yeah. And um what I feel like the my one big takeaway from chatting with you is just that how individual gut health is and how like we need to avoid these blanket these blanket statements in terms of whether it's a condition or a symptom like it's really about finding specifically for 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 your specific, you know, symptom what might be the best route to take. And so I feel like that that makes sense why doing an individual like one-on-one program with you would be so valuable for folks.
2: Absolutely. I I do find that my recommendations vary, but the one thing that remains constant with everyone I work with is making sure that you're eating regularly throughout the day because you simply cannot have a nice smooth bowel movement with no food going in your system. Mm -hmm.
0: And constipation is like huge with folks who have a history of disordered eating or eating disorders. Like I've, I've worked with the, I mean, again, with some of the students that I work with, it's like I'm just like please go to your doctor because there's so i mean even if it was 2 years ago when they were in like the throes of their eating disorder they can still have issues i mean absolutely it is it's bananas how that restriction can really impact regular bowels. And how uncomfortable that is. I had no idea how uncomfortable constipation was until pregnancy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I have made such good friends with prunes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Randy, any other questions that you can think of or things that, I don't know, that are coming up for you or anything for you, is- Samina, that like you didn't get a chat about that you feel like would be that you'd like to? Just
2: a one-liner. Oh, I, I love these. You can't heal a starved gut with more restriction. <sighs> Mic drop.
0: You can't That's heal it. a starved gut. That's it. That's the podcast. Gut.
2: Yeah, with <laughs> more
0: restriction.
1: Okay. That's Love it. amazing.
0: Yeah. That's so
1: powerful. Um, Sabina, you mentioned um, your website. What is your website? And then where else can people find you? Like, Are, are you on Instagram? Yeah, uh, yeah. So...
2: Uh, My website has all my information on it. It is www.wholesomestart.com. Well, this has been
0: amazing. Thank you so much. I feel incredibly enlightened. And also like a weight is off my shoulder when it comes to this idea of gut health. Like I just feel like I've been thinking about it so much and not knowing like what kind of like how to approach it when people ask me about it. Um, But I feel like, Again, your one-liner is really powerful. And just this avoidance of like blanket statements and this encouragement of, if you're experiencing symptoms, meet with someone one-on-one who is qualified rather than following maybe something, a blanket statement that you see on social media. I feel like that's just so empowering and I feel like I learned a lot. So thank you so much for for meeting with us, Salina.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Give 'em the Bird podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, head on over to Apple iTunes or Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Give 'em the Bird Podcast to stay up to date with all things GTV. We'll see you back here next week for another episode, but in the meantime, go give 'em the bird.